Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm here with Tim Beadle. I'm Darren Ride, and we're talking today about the question, do, quote, healthy churches make disciples? Now, there's different ways of measuring church health, and you might be familiar with NCD, Natural Church Development. We may, will be making reference to that today, but there's other metrics as well. And basically, what are the traits of a church that makes disciples? Because obviously, if a church is truly healthy, it's going to be ma- making disciples, isn't it, Tim? Well, you'd, you'd hope so. You know, Mike, Mike Green once said, if, if your goal is to uh, build the church, you may end up with some disciples. But if your goal is to make disciples, you'll always end up with the church. And uh, that might be a good uh, starting point and springboard, because if to ask the average person and, well, the average leader, the average pastor, are you trying to build a church or are you trying to make disciples? realizing that both of those terms are intertwined, uh, I would hasten to guess, and if I were a betting man, I I would bet heavily on the fact that most pastors and leaders spend the majority, the vast majority of their time, trying to figure out how to maintain and build a church, not how to uh, be engaged in spiritual multiplication and in disciple-making. Yeah, I mean, once you're in an established church, the the maintenance, I, I mean that in a neutral sense at this point, the maintenance of the organization uh, becomes a priority. There's facilities and there's staffing and everything else. Ideally, the purpose is making disciples, but it can take over. You know, just, just all of the different moving parts, the machine can take over and the purpose, the mission can become secondary so, so easily. I mean, I've experienced that in my own ministry, of course. Yeah, yeah. And so I think sometimes you have to sort of step back and then you step back again and you have to look at the big picture. And, and also you have to realize that um, sort of building churches and making disciples isn't our primary task. It's actually the, the will of God. <laughs> like he's, mm. he's up and about doing this. You know, Jesus said, I will build my church. He mm. didn't say you'll build my church. He didn't say I'll build your church. And he said, I'll build it and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so that's the starting point, is that this is something that is emanating out of uh, why Jesus came to earth and what he wants to accomplish through the church. And also, as I told the leaders in my church, it isn't so much about our our church having a mission. It's about God's mission having a church. Hmm. And, And therefore, we have to make sure that we're aligning what we're trying to accomplish through our like the, the, the wonderful things that we're doing in the ministries and, and the devoted sacrifice and the funds and all that. But if it isn't really aligned with what God wants us to do, we can end up off course and, and somewhere other than where he wants us to be. Yeah. yeah and, I, you know, I was really into NCD you know, 15-ish years ago, maybe a little more. And NCD, Natural Church Development, is an interesting bird because on the one hand, it came out of, in a way, the church growth movement. But on the other hand, they really did try to go for the qualitative measures. In other words, they, had, they said, that here's some qualities, which if these qualities are present, the church is healthy and growing. And, you know, they have a lot of data to back that up. And they say, you know, these eight, these eight areas, if, if a church has these to a certain scale, the church is always growing. 
And so, so my question using NCD or some other metric, we'll probably reference NCD. If a church is healthy, according to NCD, is it making disciples? Yeah, so NCD, Natural Church Development, uh, you talked about 15 years. Actually, like we go back 30 years now. Because <laughs> uh, I was part of, of the uh, the beginning of this. I, I was trained to be an NCD trainer. I've met Christian Swartz, the, the founder of this, and uh, Christoph Schultz, uh, met them and, and spoke about where this all came from. And I think uh, because they came out of Germany, that's kind of good because most things come out of America. And and sometimes people poo-poo the, the American dream of uh, bigger and better. So they took a different approach. Rather than looking at metrics or measurements that uh, solely have been used and still are used mostly because it's easy to measure, you know, the number of people, uh, how big the building is, what your budget is. And from that, we gain a sense of either satisfaction or a sense that, well, we must be doing well because these metrics are pointing up and to the right he threw that model out the window. Hmm. And I don't blame him because when you think um, the average church in Canada has 75 people and there's so many small, tiny rural churches that those metrics, like if you're in a small church, Darren, and you have a bad snowstorm two Sundays in a row, <laughs> it wipes out your attendance for the whole year. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so uh, he developed these eight uh, quality characteristics and, um, you know, we, we can read through them. And the nice thing about these things is that it talks about uh, certain elements of health in a church, but then it adds an adjective beside it, mm -hmm. which is actually the, uh, the word that generates the deeper consideration. Um, do, do you want to, do you want to read through the eight or do you want to go one by one quickly or how, yeah, how do you want to read through them for reference? So people who okay. are listening have reference. I'll read through the eight and then we can pick through and, and say, to yeah. what extent are these relevant to disciple-making? Right. We have empowering leadership, yep. gift-based ministry, passionate spirituality, effective structures, inspiring worship services, holistic small groups, need-oriented evangelism, and loving relationships. Yeah, so, so, so when you read, read, those are the yeah. eight. And, and the theory is, Tim, you know, the barrel, the barrel model where the, this barrel has these staves and these are like staves in the barrel and the lowest stave is the one that's affecting your health and your growth and everything else. Yeah. That's the, the very simplified explanation of it. Yeah. So uh, as you're reading those, uh, you know, the, the actual, uh, as it were, focus points of leadership, ministry, spirituality, structures, sir, uh, worship service, small groups, evangelism and relationships, every church has those. Hmm. But to what extent are, are they leaning in the direction of fulfilling the Great Commission and preparing for those of the harvest? Uh, it's like uh, sometimes I would joke with kids or others, uh, and I said, do you have a budget? They said, no. I said, no, well, you do have a budget. <laughs> you just have never thought about what your budget is because you're spending money and, and all the rest of it. So this forces us to, to look at different character uh, qualities in terms of what a healthy church would look like. And uh, the, the one thing I've noticed here that uh, when this was written like 30 years ago, uh, they don't have the word disciple, discipleship, disciple making in it. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe you know, we, we can have some critical conversation about why that should be in there. However, when it talks about uh, holistic small groups and need-oriented evangelism, 
Uh, this more focuses on the traditional church and, and looking at it and say, how is she doing based on the adjectives of empowering and passionate and inspiring mm-hmm. and loving that sometimes we get caught up more in the actual, uh, as it were, the noun than mm-hmm. the verb or the adverb of the action. And, 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 and the, it's the action that brings it to life. Yeah. And let's walk through them then maybe, Tim, and just just pick through them one at a time and say, to what extent is this phrase, adjective and, and noun, essential or important or helpful in disciple making? Yeah, and I bet you this, this conversation has never been had before. <laughs> because I don't think, uh, you know, in all the, all, all the uh, literature that they've put out, it doesn't specifically talk about disciple making. Uh, it would probably talk more about discipleship or bringing people to maturity, but uh, the, the whole essence of what we're what we're trying to accomplish through these podcasts is going beyond a static finish line. Well, I'm mature and I'm in the church, and we don't see any fruit or, or spiritual multiplication. So, the first one is called empowering leadership, and and immediately uh, you know, we can talk about well, uh, what is leadership? It's obviously influencing others, but leadership is leading people in a certain direction. And so I don't know when you see that word empowering, what, what, what images does that evoke uh, in leadership towards disciple making? Well, for me, thinking in a disciple making relationship and obviously local church relationship, there is some, some shared authority. You know, there's some, some shared initiative. And I, you know, I, I think in our context right now, in our little group, we have, you know, empowering leadership. One thing I'm trying to do to, to, to lead this way is that I'm handing off different tasks and different initiatives to people and letting them make some decisions yep. and making sure that it's just not the the Darren show the whole time. Yeah, so so that'll flow into the next one. But before we go there, uh, leadership sets vision and direction. And if the leaders of the local church are not talking about uh, disciple making, about being obedient to the call and command of Christ to go into the world and accomplish this with him, uh, then I would think that leadership is... Uh, somewhat short-sighted. They could be busy to accomplish the things in the church, but not uh, to be a leader in the church is to be led by God into the th- into the things that actually are on the heart of God. So uh, how about the next one, uh, gift-oriented ministry? You, you might have alluded to that when you said, well, I, I, I share authority with people. Yeah, well, one thing we're doing, we're rotating through. Everyone's leading a discovery Bible study. And what you quickly realize is some people are gifted in that area and some people aren't. Yeah, you know, and, and basically there will be some people who then lead more often, and they'll be the ones we do that. Others are so gifted in. We've got some people incredibly gifted in hospitality, yeah. incredibly gifted in helping and serving. And so, I'd say from a disciple making standpoint, part of making a disciple is helping them understand that they're gifted and called by the Spirit of God, you know, to, yeah. to serve in these different ways, and not just in a local church context, but in you know, in the body and outside the body of Christ and use their supernatural abilities to represent Jesus. Yes, yeah, so several podcasts ago, uh, we uh, invited listeners to go online. Uh, it's called freeshapetest.com. Hmm. And there you will find a, a survey that you can go through to help you find your, your shape, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your passions, and your experience. And... Um, the, the other thing that, that comes to me, that if leadership isn't leading us towards becoming a disciple-making church, then it's probably leading us to become a fellowship-based focus 
which, um, if I'm to be blunt and honest, will create more of a club mentality if we don't really have at the center of who we are, what we're doing, the example of Jesus. And as John said, if, if you claim to be in Jesus, you must walk as Jesus walked. And uh, therefore, gifts are to be used for the things that uh, Jesus, the head, uh, calls and commands us to do and to follow him into. Yeah, exactly. Next one we have is passionate spirituality. And I, you know, I think in a way, when I read that phrase, I think that is really, in a sense, the fuel of disciple making. Yeah, it is. That you have a heart for the Lord and a heart for people. Yeah. And we don't have to go deeper than that. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's the plain and like, like, is your heart broken by the things that break the heart of God? And uh, when you look outside, and as, as we've said many times before, do you consider people from a worldly point of view or from Jesus' point of view? Mm. And that's where we find the ignition for being passionate in our spirituality. Yeah, one of, one of my basic prayers, Tim, is, Lord, give me a passion for the things you're passionate about. Yeah, there you go. I, I, want, I want the things that are important to you to be important to me because sometimes I get off base. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, the next one is called functional structures. So that sounds a little more organizational, administrative. Obviously, within the body, there are parts, and each part has a function. But in the body of Christ, we have to make sure that uh, the, the the things that we do are are efficient and effective, and and actually, uh, we we claim to honor God with excellence in all that we do, and therefore. Uh, we need to evaluate, self-evaluate how we're doing from time to time. And I know this is hard for leaders and pastors because we're so busy. We're just trying to hold things together to okay. actually step back and through the lens of disciple making, uh, evaluate where things are at. And, and if things seem to be lagging, then we seek help uh, to help us right the ship and go in the right direction, as it were. Yeah, well, I mean, if we talk about functional structures in the context of disciple making, those structures are functional when they contribute to disciple making. That's right. <laughs> and, and if they don't, it doesn't matter how good they are or how efficient they are. If they're not contributing to disciple making in this context, they're not functional. Yeah. And, you know, I, I look, think of Acts chapter six, where, you know, they were they, there was a, an issue in the church with the support for the widows, and there was a bit of a conflict, and they added some structure to help make it functional. Structure is not wrong. Yeah. yeah. Also, I think I might have mentioned this before. You know, we have more books on techniques and we have more technology than we've ever had before in the church. But what are we using it for? And so I think I've told the story of this fellow who is watching his neighbors in the old days building this, trying to erect this giant satellite dish across the road. And all these guys are struggling. And after a couple hours, he opened his garage door and he, and he opened up, up and wheeled out this giant red Mastercraft toolkit on wheels, like six stories high type of thing. And he plumped it across the road and across and up the next driveway. And he, he put it in front of these guys and they said, whoa, what do you build with that? And he said, friends. <laughs> <laughs> because he had something that those guys needed. And rather than just drop it off, he entered into relationship with them help them accomplish that. And who knows where that led as well. So uh, having structures that don't serve the heart of God aren't really functional at all. Mm-hmm. You're going to take us away for the next one there. Yep. Next one is inspiring worship services. And this one, this one is one I've, I'm mulling on a little bit because this is clearly defined and 
with reference to a traditional kind of church with Sunday morning service, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Inspiring, you know, has different connotations. And I guess out of all of these, this is the one that I have the biggest question mark behind. Yeah. Whether it's how essential is it for disciple making? Yeah. Well, the word inspiring, I think, is key for me because whatever and however we come together uh, to worship, and obviously in Hebrews it says, do not forsake the gathering. And whether that happens in small groups or in the day of Jesus in homes and things like that, uh, we have to gather to worship one way, shape, or form. But it's never to be a holy huddle, as we said before. It's a house for the harvest and for inspiring us. Um, you know, I, I, I did a staff devotional uh, this week, and, you know, it's December. Uh, when I open up the front door, uh, the first thing I look at outside, is it white outside on the ground? If it's white, then that means I have to do something about it. I have to drive carefully. I got a shovel. Uh, and... You know, it, it says in Scripture, don't say uh, wait four months. It says, look now to the fields are white as unto mm. harvest. And I challenge my my staff, every day you wake up, if it's white outside, I want you to think about a spiritual harvest. Mm. And as we gather together, it is to not keep us just focusing. Obviously, we focus on God. But when we focus on God, he tells us, as it were, to go, to go into mm. the world, to the highways and the byways. So... So to truly be inspired by gathering for worship leads us into what God would have us do. Mm. So, so you're, you're concluding, we're concluding that an inspiring worship service can contribute effectively to disciple making. Yeah, exactly. It, it has yeah. to, yeah. Uh, because yeah. That, that's, that's what God's all about as well. Mm. So, Now the next one, uh, holistic small groups. You, you've got some neat small groups going on in, in the 12 church movement. Uh, tell us about that. What does it mean to yeah. be holistic? Well, holistic, you know, it's interesting. A lot of small groups become become very ingrown as as do larger churches. And so our, you know, our 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 focus has been mission first, then community. And what we've discovered, Tim, where we've done so much work on evangelism and discipling and outward looking, and this is like a proof of concept thing. Yep. Yep. The care level has been very high. Yep. Even though we haven't focused on it. It just happens because we're in, we're on mission together. We've lost in, in 10 people in our group. Three of them has lost, has lost dads this year. Well, wow. and the care that's coming around that has been very encouraging, and uh, and motivating. One one is having a funeral just tomorrow, and they're just saying how how grateful they are for the care they're receiving. So I would say there's a sense of holisticness to that. I'm very grateful, and it seems to be contributing to disciple making. Yeah, you know, a lot of people say, "Well, we didn't get through the study tonight." I said, "Well, maybe that's because getting through the study isn't the reason we're coming together." Uh, and uh, I, I often find myself, well, how far did we get into the study? Well, we got far enough to care for each other, to listen to Jesus, mm. and then to pray with each other. And I know every Tuesday night at, at, at the end of our care group, we spend a lot of time sharing life in terms of how can we pray for each other? How can mm. we support? Uh, the, the, there's one member of my group, and whenever there's a need, she says, well, what can I do to help you? What can I, mm. can I, be, can I make you a meal? Can and so they're looking beyond the study, realizing that unless we apply, and often that that's where that learning circle model we presented a couple months ago. What is God saying to me in this study, and what am I what am I going to do about it practically this week? I think that's how small groups become more holistic. Oh yeah, yeah, and they certainly do contribute to disciple making. You know, we've we probably do shorter studies than a traditional small yeah. group. And more sharing and prayer time. Yeah. That's really, that, I think for us, that's rounded it out very, very effectively. 
Yeah. And if uh, some of our listeners aren't part of a small group, here here's your assignment. Get get a few people together. Read through the, uh, the story, Luke 15, of uh, the lost son or the prodigal son. And um, just ask this one question. Who in this story do I best identify with and why? Hmm. And you will talk for an hour about that. <laughs> the story of your own history will come out and then you pray for each other. And all of a sudden, you'll feel really close because you've just had a holistic small group experience. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. And that will bump them right naturally into the I next know. trait, which is That's what I was evangelism. really good there, Tim. Nice yeah, thank you very much. Well, we spoke about this last week, you know, about you know social gospel or social activism. And uh, w- w- why don't you pick up the conversation from there, Darren? Well, I know in the context of NCD, need-oriented evangelism is obviously it's not that you're just starting necessarily with the gospel with people or with, you know, the, the basic gospel of repent, believe, and follow. But you're actually building on the needs they have, their felt needs, and you know, bringing the gospel to bear on that. And Jesus really is, you know, to, not to use a cliche flippantly, he is the answer yeah. to so many of those, to all of those felt needs. And so when we we meet people and get to know them, what their deepest needs are, their felt needs, the gospel and and the life of Christ naturally flows into that. And so this is really, I think, a description of effective evangelism. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, that, that word need oriented, um, do you know what the needs are of people around you? I, I think that that's always the challenge to me. You know, we, we live in a society where it's consumeristic, asking what people can do for me. Uh, this is polar opposite in terms of becoming aware of someone's need and then developing trust and respect in a relationship to actually be invited into their life. Now, sometimes there's very obvious needs and, and, and you can fix that. But 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 that's not our, our job isn't to fix it. It's mm. to configure a relationship in which their actual need is met sometimes uh, by addressing a surface need that goes to a spiritual need as well. Yeah, exactly. And of course, once people come to faith, we have these loving relationships. And that is, you know, that is seen here in NCD Fairly Core. What do you think, Tim? How important is that? <laughs> well, when you see all that Jesus taught about love, you know, and, and now that we're sort of in the Christmas season in terms of, you know, well, it's all about God's love for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people say Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, actually, we're the reason for the season because God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus. And uh, I've said this before, you know, love in your heart wasn't put there to stay. God's love isn't love till it's given away. Mm-hmm. And so we don't see people as make work projects when we come alongside them or meet them, uh, they bear the same image of God that we do. And it's our task to walk with Jesus, empowered by his spirit, to enter into relationships with people. Now, for some of us, um, you know, I, I may get energized uh, when I'm doing things or preaching, but uh, I'm more of an introvert. I often find myself standing by myself, not talking with people. Uh, but I can pray, and God opens doors uh, and so I, I'm, I'm saying that so that all the uh, introverts in our audience aren't saying, well, that's not me, that's for the other people. No, no, it's <laughs> for all of us uh, because you have a uniqueness that you can share with someone else in your own way. And um, yeah, in reflection, when you look at all these eight, it's quite a holistic list there to get us thinking for sure. Oh, yeah. And I would just tag on to the loving relationships, Tim. I've often taught on the one another's in the New Testament, yeah, yeah, all yeah. of the one another commands. And for me, that is a description of what love is in the body, serving one another, greeting one another, praying for one another. You know, it really, 
makes love concrete. Yeah. And that's how we are different. You know, people yeah. will know we're followers of Jesus because we love one another. It's so tied to, to everything else we have here, including evangelism. Yeah. Yeah. So when uh, NCD put this out 30 years ago and they had, you know, people take little surveys. And as you said uh, about the, the, the barrel with the, the eight staffs, as it were, and there's the lowest one. And you can imagine if you're filling the barrel with water, it'll only go as high as the lowest uh, staff, as it were. Uh, but the whole thing with NCD is, is that you aim your highest score at your lowest score. And um, you don't have to do the NCD survey. If you could write down those eight and pray over them and get mm. together with, with some of the, the leaders in your church and just have an open dialogue in terms of when it comes to making disciples and make disciples, how do these eight quality characteristics, how are they manifest and evidenced in our church expression? Which one is the weakest? Which one is the strongest? And how can we aim... Uh, what we're doing really well at the one that maybe we're struggling with. And all of a sudden, it's not rocket science because the, the, the church is the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit gets involved and something beautiful comes out of it. Oh, amen to that. And I think I'm going to do exactly that with our group, Tim, and, and to look at it at the group level and unpack what this is and say, yeah. where do we need to grow? Where do we need to be stronger? Because I think, you know, pleasantly, you know, not surprised, but just, just encourage that the NCD principles probably do align quite well with disciple making. Exactly. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a good good place to uh, land the plane today, Darren. It's uh, always a pleasure to uh, unpack and put back together things, uh, you know, things to do with the church, with disciple making, evangelism, with the heart of God. And uh, we'll continue next week. So please join with us for an another episode of Disciple Making. I'm T uh, Tim Beadle with my good friend, Darren Wright. Have a great day. Yep. See you later. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.